Something weird is happening in footy. About this time every year, if you consume way too much footy media like I do, everybody, and I mean everybody in the footy media, thinks the game is in crisis in the eight weeks leading up to finals. Usually it's got boring results, low scoring, top eight hasn't changed since round four, shout out to Lee Montagna, winter <laughs> slug fests, rain galore, playing in the mud, talking about Eric Grant needing a roof. Yep. Let's throw in a mid-season draft and the state of origin. Let's throw in all those gambits to get us through to finals. Not this year. Not this year. St. Kilda are still in the top eight, as are the Blues. The GWS are on a seven-game winning streak, while 15th place Fremantle are only two wins outside the top eight. Collingwood and Port Adelaide both lost on the same weekend, and as such, the premiership race is wide open, as Kingy would say. If you don't find footy at least exciting, if not good, this year, then you're not really a footy fan, are you? Welcome to the Fans Eye View podcast and we're going to try and create some calm from the chaos around us as the officer's biggest footy head, Nikki G. Nate, how are you finding the footy this year? I am finding it pretty good, to be honest. Like you alluded to, I think, you know, we've got an even competition, which is what we want. And over the last few weeks, at least, the teams that have been firmly placed first and second on the ladder... There is no guarantee that either of those teams will win the premiership, I think. It might just be a blip in their seasons, but still, uh, I think this season has proved that we've got a very even and fun competition to watch. Anyone can beat anyone on any given day, and that's what we want, Gordo. That is what we want indeed. However, when things are going well, we can't always have just nice things in our life. (laughs) So that's a big retirement news this week. Oh, yeah. You, as a big Hawks fan, Ooh, how yes. are you dealing with the departure of Max Lynch? <laughs> Not the one I thought you were going to throw to, but yeah, Lynchy, very sad, very sad. Obviously, calling time on his career due to uh, his his issues with concussion, and what a week where he calls retirement after what happened last weekend in the Port Adelaide game. Uh, Alira Lee getting thrown back out after he clearly had suffered concussion. I think everyone watching on TV and at the ground saw that. Um, but yeah, he magically made an appearance and now he's ridden off for the last two weeks. So obviously a lot of issues arising from that. But yeah, back to Max Lynch, very sad. And you don't want to see a young Carice uh, stop like that. So hopefully this week when Hawthorne take on Collingwood, his two clubs, uh, hopefully they you know make it special for and give him a shout out and uh yeah dedicate the game to him as you all know and aware by now john and i are here to formally acknowledge and announce the retirement of uh lance franklin but of course what everyone has actually not been talking about that much to be quite frank is uh the departure of everyone's favorite buddy lance Mm. Lance franklin and so that's my first question without notice Mm -hmm. has he been under celebrated Oh, no, not really. I don't think so. Or have we kind of just said like a slow goodbye to Buddy over a couple of years? Yeah. Like they've had some bigger now, like some big retirements, maybe some shock ones. Usually it's after a grand final everyone. Like Selwood last year, there was a yeah. big, big fanfare, obviously. Premiership winning captain last game. Perfect, yeah. perfect send off. Yeah. Gary Ablett in the losing COVID grand final in Brisbane. I felt like he got a bit more of a send off, you know. I feel like... And maybe yeah. it's because he's not a, but he's not a very big media performer. He didn't even turn up to his own uh, farewell yeah, press uh, retirement conference. press conference. Yeah. He's going to just quietly go off to his beachside mansions <laughs> all along the eastern seaboard yeah. and just enjoy life quietly. But yeah, do you think we've appreciated how good he is? Because probably he's the best player of our lifetime. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, 
this is probably how Buddy wanted it to be. As you alluded to again, like he's he's a quiet fella. He doesn't like being in the spotlight as much as he's going to find himself in the spotlight. He probably wanted it this way. It's a shame that his career has ended the way it has through an injury. And yes, we, do, we there was no build up to his final game per se, like the Ablets and Selwoods. But um, and yeah, there's no premiership at the end of the road in Swan's colours either. So um, yeah, not the ideal way to finish his uh, very decorated career. But nonetheless, I think um, he's just had one of those careers where he's just been appreciated from the very start when he hit the scene till the very end. He has been Mr. Showman. Uh, he's just created so many highlights and memories for the supporters and fans. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't think he's been under-celebrated, but um, certainly from now until the end of the season, I'm sure there's still going to be a lot of buddy fanfare to come. Mm, as there should be. He's, he's an absolutely amazing uh, player. Mm. I think he will suffer a little bit from what I call uh, LeBron James syndrome when it comes to his legacy Yeah, because – he was uh, unfortunately involved in four losing grand finals. So obviously won two grand finals at Hawthorne, lost one against Hawthorne. Mm. Uh, and then, yeah, yeah, and then uh, <laughs> lost a couple of more uh, with yeah. it as a swan. Um, but the rest of his stats all stack up. Eight-time All-Australian, four common medals, which I thought was low for a – like if you had said like, oh, you know, how many Coleman's did he win? You thought, oh, he must have won the Coleman every year. But yeah. I think that just uh, highlights how much more of a versatile – forward he was he didn't just sit in the square and, and that's try right. and kick six seven again but at the end of the when you actually compare it to other forwards Coleman's aren't like most great forwards like your Ruffords or your Jack Rewalds mm. they might only have like one or two to their name so still to have four mm. it doesn't seem like a lot because of his long career but um Obviously, like it's still a great achievement, and he's got the thousand goals to his name as well. Absolutely, one thousand and sixty-six, the fourth all-time leading goal kicker, and the only one uh, in that famous mark since the uh, you know two mm. thousands, nineties even really. So yeah. uh, you know, plug played a little bit in the nineties, I suppose. And but yeah. um, that's all by the by. What has been circulating uh, social media this week, obviously, has been clips of Buddy, all the magic he has had. But I thought there's no better person to ask, <laughs> what is the quintessential Buddy clip? If you had a friend from America yeah. who wanted to know about who this, who this Buddy is or a friend from Europe yeah. or, you know, if uh, you wanted to talk to some European football correspondent so you could say who is, you know, Leon Messi Ooh. is is all right, but Buddy was the best. How would you uh, compare... What would say is his quintessential moment, mm, Baudouin? It's 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 an impossible question to answer because there's so many um, moments to look back on. Um, I mean, obviously, the moments where um, where he kicked 100 goals in a season and everyone floods onto the ground, and same when he did it um, with the thousand goals at the SCG. That's probably something that you'd show someone overseas, I guess, because it's uh, it's so I guess um, niche and that doesn't happen anywhere else in the world. But in terms of goals, like show off his skill set, sort of thing. Oh, it's such a tough one. Um, what's his? What's been his best goal? I personally like the the 2010 uh, goal goal of the year where he kicked it against Essendon, where Kale Hooker was chasing him. Actually, the two uh, he kicked that day back to back, very identical. I, I'd show that one because it shows off his speed, his athleticism. Um, 
And then his freakish ability to kick a goal um, from the boundary on a drop pun after running 100 metres. And then also his, uh, his preliminary final goal against Collingwood was one of my favourites, even though Hawthorne went on to lose that game, um, kicking that dribble goal on the wrong side in front of the Collingwood she scored in a prelim final to put your team in front. Um, yeah, that, that's one of my personal favourites. There you go. And uh, a nomination from uh, our fans on Twitter has been the 2007 elimination final against Adelaide. Of course, Adelaide. yeah. That so one not so much well. one goal, but the seven goals he kicked, yeah. uh, proving that it was a player. Because a lot of the time I think the you know these, these big goal tally forwards often play in you know poorer teams, like you'd say... Mm. Um, you know, we've had common medalists from from teams in the bottom half of the ladder, if not, you know, the spoon. So, yep. you know, Ben Brown's the world. You're playing for the Ruse. No, shame on Ben Brown. He yep. the goals. That's his job. But, like, yep. it doesn't really matter then because you're not going to win a premiership. Whereas, yeah, that year he was he was pivotal yeah. uh, in, in getting, yeah, Hawthorne. That was that deep. was the year he uh, hit the scene, 2007. Mm. Um, I think that, that's only in his – that was his third year in the AFL system. 21 years old, so to be kicking seven goals in a uh, in, in in an elimination final, um, it's remarkable. You don't really see that these days from 21-year-olds. Maybe Nick Dacos is the closest we'll get to a player dominating on a final stage. Um, but, yeah, very rare, very rare breed. And so will he be remembered as a, as a hawk or as a swan? Because oh, you'll be both. Yeah, you'll be, he, I there'll think, be half half jerseys sold with with uh, Franklin on the back. Yeah, it's going to be like you know Tony Locker with Sydney and St Kilda and. Um, so you say that, but I would say that I I remember Tony Locker as a saint. Yeah, I know he played for Sydney. But yeah. like if you said like oh you know legendary Tony Locker who mm. he played for definitely yeah that's that's fair enough. Um, I guess, I guess because Franklin's career is so evenly split, like mm. he spent nine years at Hawthorne and nine or ten years at St Kilda. Um, but I'll always, I'll always say, and not just because I'm a Hawthorne supporter, but his best but years. Mostly were, because you're a Hawthorne supporter. His best years are at Hawthorne. But is that is that because it's results driven or not? Like no, not, four, I'm not even talking about. He had more about, grand finals at Sydney than he did at Hawthorne. I'm not even talking about premierships. Yeah. Um, or accolades, uh, even though they're, again they're probably leaning in Hawthorne's favour, but he's 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 prime, his peak mm. in terms of his you know physical ability. That was his best was at Hawthorne. He was thin, he was quick. Um, I remember in two thousand and eight when he kicked a hundred goals in that season. He's there was no clear matchup for him. Mm. He changed the game. They, they couldn't play the tall defenders on him because they were too slow back then. Um, they, there obviously wasn't anyone small. So, yeah, he changed, in a game, changed the game in a way where defenders then had to be agile, quick, fast. And I, back then he, he was getting um, two, three players played on him in a game because they just couldn't stop him. Um, obviously, as he got older, he slowed down a bit. Um, he wasn't as, um, yeah skinny or agile or athletic but definitely in his earlier years when he kicked 100 goals that was his best so hard to disagree and uh the big bruce bruce mcavaney agrees with you as well and i think uh he he? has some uh merit there yeah he said on on waitley today that uh as much as you know 50 50 splits and four grand finals with one club two premierships with another you know kicked Mm. his thousandth goal with sydney but kicked you know 
two sets of 100 with with Hawthorne. Um, he always remember him as a Hawthorne and much the same. Said so like his freakish ability and like the way he changed the game happened in those like last three years at the Hawthorne. Yeah. He maintained it with Sydney. He became the celebrity in Sydney. He did all that. Yeah. But I suppose like, again, to use the LeBron James analogy, is LeBron James a Cav, a Heat or yeah. a Laker? Yeah, exactly. You'd probably say he's a Cav, so. Yeah. And his best goals, even if you go on YouTube now and look them up, his top 10 best goals, yeah. eight, nine of them are probably with Hawthorne as well. So yeah. I'm just going to stop it there because we could talk about this all day. <laughs> There'd be so many things that Magpie fans are loving right now and right near the top of that list would be the Dacos brothers thriving in black and white. And you will have learnt this afternoon that such a sight is going to continue until at least the end of 2029. Speaking of uh, Buddy... Obviously, one of the things he was famous for was the big, big contract he got yeah. when he went to Sydney. Now, that's small. Everyone's getting six-year deals. So, sharing the money, what's up with the long deals? Just mm. this week, Himmelberg has signed on at the Giants for six years, and both Dacos brothers have got yep. six years each. Mm. Little combo deal there. Again, changing the game. Changing the game. That is just six is a new three. Yep. Um, do you like it as a fan? Do you want Hawthorne to be signing on your young talent to six-year deals or is it real risky in your eyes? I used to think it was risky. Um, I guess it still is because anything can happen in sport. Players, unfortunately, can get injured and mm. can ruin their careers and that sort of stuff. But um, at the end of the day, as a fan, if one of your key players like a Nick Dacos was signing six years, why wouldn't you be happy with it? Mm. So... I guess it's a good thing. Um, players are getting paid. Fans are happy to keep those players at their clubs. I say, why not? And also it helps retain, especially the day cost thing, because I've seen a lot of people be like, oh, six years, ridiculous. He's, like, he's had one breakout year. What are you talking about? I was like, well, even if he does regress the mean, yeah. he's probably going to be in their best 22 till he retires. Like he's, Definitely. He looks like a player who's going to be above AFL average. Yeah. So I don't see him getting dropped to the twos anytime soon. No, definitely. And then, you know, yes, it's a bit of nepotism, but sometimes sport we like that. And so, like, his dad is a legend of that club, so why can't both of his sons be locked in for their careers? I don't want to see mm. a day cost playing anywhere else other than Collingwood, Yeah. to be honest. Like, is that right or wrong? Maybe it's wrong. <laughs> we have a draft, we have all these other things, like yeah. maybe that's yeah. a bad attitude to have, but why I, not? I get you. Why not? Yeah, definitely. And, you know, yes, they can break their leg tomorrow. They can get concussed. All those things happen. But then that, then a three-year deal is too long anyway. Mm. So get the good guys in there. Keep them there. I'm really glad as a Richmond fan that Dusty has been a Richmond player. Trent Cotchin, Jack Rewell. Yeah. Like, yes, have they been at their peak the last three years? Well, no, but yeah. it doesn't matter. Not really. Like, you need to have the, you know, build them up for a couple of years. They're going to yeah. wind off at the end. But in the middle is where it makes it count. And then I'm glad yeah. that one club player. Being a one-club player is is important for me as yeah. a fan. Um, as you said, like it, it means a lot for fans for uh, for players to say one club, and it, it hurts to see like the Luke Hodge types, the Sam Mitchell types, even though they'll be remembered as Hawthorne players, even though they spent their latter years at other clubs, and that stays with me. It mm. hurts seeing Hodge in Brisbane colours, and now that his son's coming through, I think he recently made the All Australian Under 15s team. Yeah, playing for and, Queensland. Yeah, and he's in Brisbane Lions Academy. Yeah. So when it comes time to being drafted. Yeah, he'll be eligible for Hawthorne Father's Son, but also Brisbane Lions Academy. So yeah. he could be drafted as a line. 
that will hurt. That will, that hurt. will really hurt. Just because of those two years we lost Hodge. Mm. Uh, yeah, not good. So hang on to those stars. Absolutely. Um, and I think, I think that also plays in, just to circle back to Buddy for one more second, to the fact that I think two greats of the games probably didn't get celebrated as much because they weren't one club players. Buddy's one, and I'd say Gary Ablett Jr. being the second. Mm-hmm. Like when Selwood retired last year, every Cats fan's basically crying like he's died. When Ablett <laughs> retired, yeah. they're kind of like, and Ablett's a far better player than Selwood, probably equal with Buddy as the generational talent of our lifetime. Yeah. And they're kind of like, yeah, well, it was great to have him back, and it's great, but like he did leave, and like he's, yeah. he's a bit weird, and he's like, oh, maybe it's not that nice for the boys. And the yeah. same with Buddy, everyone's like, oh, he didn't actually come to his own. You know, he didn't come to his own press conference saying he was going to say goodbye. He yeah. hasn't actually been a Hawthorne player for like 10 years now. So, like, yeah. you know, all those memories I already got over because, you know, I've had to watch him play for Sydney. Yeah. Whereas if he had been, you know, a 15-year player for Hawthorne, yeah. we're having parades in the street. We're having, Absolutely. We're, like, people, Statues people are being people built are at Waverley Park on, right now. On SEN. Oh. Like, it's, it would be chaos. I agree. So, yeah, the yeah. emotional attachment plays a big part, yeah. for sure. So go, go maintain those one-club players for the, for the romance <laughs> of, of footy. It's just gone 1am in Cinque Terre. The five towns nestled into the cliffs in the coastal region of northwest Italy. The restaurant choices here are rich. I like to think there's napkins with writing all over them strewn around the table. Game plans, list analysis, trade targets. There's a scrawled five-year contract bringing a three-time premiership coach to the Suns. It all adds an exotic flavour to a pretty straightforward story. The only shock twist would be if Damien Hardwick turns Mark Evans down. Uh, What isn't romantic, speaking of money, is uh, Gold Coast, the AFL, and the mechanics required to try and get their club into finals. Yeah. Now. Very interesting, uh, this topic. Dimmer, yeah, Dimmer has gone to Italy now. He's continued his world tour. Yeah. He goes to him. He yeah. can do what he wants. He's retired, in inverted commas, because apparently he's on the verge of signing a five-year deal to go to the Gold Coast, and uh, the AFL is going to use its little ambassadorial loophole. This is according to the purple-headed warrior, Damien Barrett. Shout-outs to him. Yeah. Make of that what you will. But he's usually pretty close to the mark. I m- must give him that credit. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yes, the Carmichael-Hunt contract will be the baseline. They offered it to uh, Clarkson, apparently, yeah. saying the AFL will chip in a million dollars a year for you to be an ambassador, and we can pay the rest. So it's constantly with <laughs> other offers you could get. Um, what do you make of this? Is it the AFL's duty to make Gold Coast a good club? Well, clearly it is. Um, <laughs> I don't agree with it at all. I mean, sure, Gold Coast, go out and get Damien Hardwick, throw the kitchen sink at him, whatever. But I'm getting quite sick of all these little compensation packages that are being put together for teams that are supposedly struggling. North Melbourne's one of them now. So apparently they're going to be gifted pick three as a compensation for losing Ben Mackay. They might even get an academy player thrown in there as well, just because they've struggled the last couple of years. This is meant to be an equal competition, equalization. Mm. Why should Gold Coast be getting extra money more than anyone else? If you if you can't keep up, then stop. And like, they're not even struggling. They're fighting for finals this year. And again, Gold Coast this year might be getting three top 10 picks because they're a Queensland club. It, this is this is this is a team that might play finals, and they they might be getting three top ten picks and Damien Hardwick. Yeah, I don't understand it. I really don't. Well, I think what needs to happen, and it was said um, 
actually during Steve Origin NRL is that uh, departing CEO Gil McLaughlin came out and said that in five years' time, Queensland will be an AFL state. More people will care about AFL than NRL. It's, I don't it's, say that it's all about money, but it's awfully. Uh, that's obviously the game plan is to try and Absolutely. make sure that you know Brisbane, Gold Coast, they're at the top. They're fighting, fighting it out. Yeah. If we do go to twentieth club, you know, maybe it will be up there as well, and you can have a little three way, three way shindig <laughs> and really fight for the. Uh, Could be, yeah. yeah. Really fight for those, uh, for those eyeballs up in Queensland. So but what about now? I want to ask you a question. Yes, please do. Mark Evans, the Gold Coast CEO, has yes. flown to Italy. He has. To meet with Hardwick, yes. what, what do you think, and what do you feel about him flying to Queens, uh, flying to Italy, yeah, to meet with Hardwick? Who's paying for this trip? Number one, yeah, and can he not just do it over Zoom or over a phone call? I think he's a fairly wealthy man, so my guess would be he's paying for it. You'd hope so. But I, I don't. I don't. I don't <laughs> think he's going to write. Well, he might write off on his taxes, but it'll be on his official. You're a, you're a nice guy because I think it's. I don't think the opposite. AFL. I don't think the AFL is paying paying for him to fly over there. This but you trip. are. But you are. You're correct. But you are right in that. Like Zoom does exist. Like you don't have to really fly. Seems a bit extravagant to Cinque Terre. Although Cinque Terre is very nice, and it is middle of winter now. It, Gold Coast is also quite nice in winter too. I don't think it's Cinque Terre. Italy levels. is in yeah. the middle of summer. That's what I mean. We're in the winter here. Oh, yeah, winter here. So they're yeah. flying to Italy for summer. Like yeah. If you offered me, like, oh, i got to talk to Dimmer, and I think you should fly <laughs> to uh, coastal Italy, enjoy some limoncello, maybe, oh, some, uh, strong, maybe some strong espresso and, like, you know. An Aperol spritz. Yeah, an Aperol spritz. <laughs> get out your, uh, you know, get out oh, your sandals. Geez. Why not? But yeah. uh, it seems a bit ridiculous. Also, the guy's on holiday. Maybe just wait till he's back. I know. Like, and I'd be almost annoyed. I'd be like, can I just enjoy a holiday in Italy without some random chairman rocking up and uh, asking me to sign a contract? Yeah. I'm not working, man. That's I'm, it. Not, I'm in Italy. He's meant to be enjoying time with his family, Dimmer, yeah. as he stated in his goodbye press conference. And yeah. that was another question as well, actually, as a Richmond supporter. Mm. So Dimmer's obviously taken time away from the game to spend more time with his family. He said, you know, he doesn't get to go to the footy much with his family. But a few months into retirement... He is now on the verge of signing a five-year deal with Gold Coast. Now, where does that sit with you as a Richmond supporter? Oh, it's okay. I'm not that sad because coaches, for some reason, we, when we grow up, coaches are allowed to come and go. Yeah. So when Ross Lyon did the the dirty on St Kilda to go coach at Fremantle, yeah, they were pretty upset to be honest, actually, which is probably fair enough. But I suppose at that stage, St Kilda was still quite good, and you know. Richmond had faded out, basically. Mm-hmm. Although, you know, they might squeeze into funnels. The the deal was done. The dynasty was over. You know, Cochin, Rewalt, D- Dusty are all about to retire, if not this year, next year, the year after. Um, so it's not that bad. But I would have preferred it, probably, if he was just honest and went like, I think my time here is done, which he did say, but not use the whole, like, oh, I'm a bit tired and I want to, like, have a break. Give me and, like, excuses. Yeah, yeah, to say, I think... Our time here at Richmond's done. We did what we wanted to do. We won three premierships. Yeah. We've got some great memories. But I like coaching. Yeah. There's other opportunities out there which I will go seek. Awesome. Great. Like, awesome. Thank you. Because, like, you know, he's a poor Adelaide person. He's, a, he's an Essendon person. Mm. He's a Richmond person. Like, he's – once you get into the industry, you stop being, you know, like Stewie Jew. He's like, yeah, like, yeah. Hawthorne great, but poor Adelaide great, but – but Gold, Gold Coast, Coast. Yeah. okay, great. Now, like, so I'm not that upset about it. I'm not like, oh, my God, because he did win three. I think if he had left on the cusp of something good to just get bulk cash, mm. then you get a bit upset as a fan. 
Fair or enough. if you're in the middle of like a premiership run and you do a Ross line and then you just bail because things get a bit messy, yeah. then you get really upset. But yeah. right now, like, Richmond's going to be outside the eight probably for the next couple of years. So. No, fair enough. Fair enough. Think, well said. I don't think... I don't think I speak for all Richmond fans, or the majority of <laughs> Richmond fans. I think if you go on Richmond Twitter or Richmond threads, you're going to see some angry people there being like, oh, yeah. Timmy should have stayed, or yeah. he can't coach ever again, but like, he, he's let it work. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Oh, there, there will be people that are disappointed, but I think a vast majority, it's dimmer. If you're a Richmond supporter, you can't hate him. No, you can't. He, so. In fact, he can't do anything wrong. Yeah, <laughs> like he like doesn't matter. Basically, the most annoying thing now is Richmond's in that post-peak Hawthorne stage. Yeah, which basically, and they're only still this from uh, Bill Simmons. He wrote uh, a piece in the early two thousands, basically said like how to behave as a fan. And one of his rules was for the five years after you win a, a premiership or a grand final, you just have to celebrate everything your club does. Yeah. You can't hate on your club. Which is what Richmond's done all the year. Yeah. And it's so infuriating because you hear people in banter groups and whatever and they're being like, oh, Richmond's going to miss the eight. And they're like, we don't care. We won three, we won three grand goals like yeah. in the last 10 years. We don't care. Yeah. Nothing it. hurts us anymore. That's it. It's like that scene in uh, Avengers when Thanos had taken over the world and he's just resting on his own planet yeah. alone at peace with what they've accomplished. Yeah, so exactly. That's yeah. what that's what Dim is doing right now in Chicatero before yeah. uh, he gets rudely interrupted. Yeah. Unlike Richmond and Dimmer, uh, not everything comes to a stop once you win a grand final. And so it's our final crystal ball of the year. We're going to work out who's going to drop out of the top eight, who's going to make it into the top eight, and for the top four as well. And let's start at the tippy top. The spiciest of all spicy takes because the top eight is not set. Mm-hmm. But most people would say the top four is. God. Who drops out of the top four? It, it definitely is set. But if I had to pick one based on their run home, maybe Brisbane. Mm. Maybe. Yep. Um, they've got Frio, Adelaide, Collingwood and St. Kilda to finish off the year. I think that's a pretty tough run. It could go either way. They'll get through. I'm yeah. not saying they won't. But... Things could get pear-shaped with that run of fixtures, um, depending on form. Compared to Melbourne, Melbourne still need to play North Melbourne and Hawthorne, so mm. that's two guaranteed wins. They're not going to drop out. So, And I think Collingwood and Port have probably won enough games unless they lose three or four of the remaining matches. So, mm. yeah, it's hard to see anyone really drop out, but I guess Brisbane. Yeah, I think the one I, I was going to pick Brisbane and then I saw they had St Kilda at home in round 24. Yeah. And I was like, well, that's... Even if St Kilda's fighting, you know, for dear life, but chances are they're probably going to be, you know, fifth or sixth and not much difference and won't make the top eight, top mm. four, sorry. So probably an easy win for Brisbane in the last week. I am going to put my Kane Corns hat on here. <laughs> and I reckon Port could miss the top eight. Top oh, that's four. not Kane Corns. He would never say Port Adelaide are <laughs> missing the top four. But he would say something equally outrageous. They got Geelong yeah. this week. They're on a three-game losing streak. Geelong is battling, well, um, you know, some weeks they're battling hard yeah. to get in. Some weeks they're not trying at all. But um, they got Geelong at Cadinia, so that's tough. They got GWS over in Adelaide, so tough game, but home team home grand advantage. Yeah. They got Fremantle away, which is mm. again like could some days way. could go either way. But really, they should be knocking off Fremantle. And then they got Richmond at home to finish off the year. And in which case, I think that could be an absolute beat up, and they win that by plenty. <laughs> so. Richmond Richmond beating Port Adelaide to knock him out of the top four is how it would have to happen. 
and only after they lose three in a row. And mm. I just don't see them losing three in a row and then losing the Richmond. I think you'd pull out all stops to make sure that you can yep. your slot in the top four. But that's how it would happen. Yep. Now, if they if that unbelievable things did happen, who sneaks into the top four? I've got Carlton. I've got Carlton. You're, I drinking, don't, you're drinking the bath water. I don't honestly believe it. I don't think anyone can really get into that top four. But again, they've got St Kilda this week. Based on form, Carlton could win all four remaining matches. Oh, they could. St Kilda, Melbourne, Gold Coast, GWS. Yeah. Um, so if they do their part and win those four games, which they most definitely could, all it takes is one of the top four teams to... You know, lose a bit of form, as we just mentioned. Unlikely, but possible. Uh, I reckon Carlton will be the first ones to jump in. So my one is the other form team of the of the year so far, and that is the, the Giants. Giants. Yeah, definitely. And I I think actually their form line is much much stronger than uh than Carlton's. Yes. I think the way they've been winning games has been a bit more impressive for mine. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they're a bit they're a bit reliant on Toby Green, but like you know. Your best players are your best players for a reason and they mm-hmm. win games for a reason. So The reason I didn't say GWS was because of that Port Adelaide game away from home. Mm. So we'll find out in two weeks. But yeah. um, if the Giants if the Giants can sneak that one, then oh, round 24 is going to be a delicious sight. Mm. And uh, I'm not buying into Carlton and uh, I'll let you know in a second. But <laughs> we've seen this before with Carlton. Yeah. We've seen it before and I don't know why. There is no team in the AFL that gains hype as quickly as Carlton. Oh, yeah, for a team that has not done anything to prove that they deserve premiership credentials, yeah. yes, they played a fantastic game against Collingwood. But if you if you believe in expected scores, which I do a little bit, but not really, yeah. Collingwood kind of threw that game away a little bit. They were sloppy in front of goal. They didn't play at their absolute best. Mm. Carlton played at their absolute best. And they only they, they won comfortably by the end, but they only really just won. Yeah. And all of a sudden, it's like, that's how Carlton proves they can win the premiership. <laughs> they're not even in the top four. Uh, yeah. I don't think they can win the premiership, but, but I mean, they're in a, they're in a purple patch. Well, uh, we'll transition. We'll, yeah. All right. We'll, we'll transition. We'll transition to the 10 things that are dropped out of the top eight. Spoiler <laughs> alerts. I think it's Carlton. I don't think they'll win another game really? this year. What? Oh, jeez. I think this, this team is prone to long runs of either way form. So that's a big call. That's a after round after round four. Yeah, they're in the top four. They go on to to only win one of their next nine games. Mm. That was against West Coast. Yeah, they were losing games by double digits to St Kilda. They lost to fifty six points to Adelaide Bulldogs, Lions, Collingwood, Sydney, Melbourne, Essendon by thirty four points. All in a row, they are prone to let the wheels fall off. Jeez. Oh, and these games aren't easy. St Kilda this week. If they win against St Kilda this week, I think it's actually statistically impossible that they miss. So they have to lose all four. And if they if they win against St Kilda, then you know, egg in my face. I'm Ken Corns. I'm sorry. <laughs> I but, think they smash St Kilda. I mean, Melbourne will be a tough game. Gold Coast the way, and then GWS. Yes. Three tough three. games. So the what I've, so it all is based on this week, and we're, and we're going to preview the games in a bit. But basically, this this ride has come off. Who have they actually beaten? in this run that is a premiership contender. Port by 50, big tick. Port was on the slide. Collingwood last week by 17. Otherwise, yeah. it's West Coast, Fremantle, Hawthorne and Gold Coast. Yeah. Like, then then they the history of the season so far suggests that they're not that great against 
the contending sides. Mm-hmm. And they also lost to St Kilda by 22 points earlier this year. So this week is going to be very tricky, but I think... I uh, do, I do agree with you in way. a way. When Carlton are on a run, they're on a run. It's and the special. whole universe yeah. just comes along for it for yeah. some reason. And then when it when the run stops, it just the wheels fall off, off. straight away. Absolutely, they are a momentum based team. Yeah, club even. Yeah, it's happened for a long time. Um, yeah, will be interesting. And who loves to kill momentum? Again, we're still in the pre- preview yeah. points, but St Kilda, <laughs> yeah. Ross the boss, is a momentum killer. Mm. He parks that bus, you run into it, you die. Yeah. So Carlton's missed the top eight for mine. Who's going to miss the top eight for you? Um, St Kilda. <laughs> I'm the other one. I, you know me. I haven't really enjoyed watching St Kilda this yep. year. Um, they've just been so unfantastic. They, I know they beat my Hawks on the weekend, but wasn't really anything special besides you know a ten minute period in that first quarter. They only just scraped past North Melbourne. They lost the Gold Coast. They scraped past uh, West Coast as well. Besides. Those three wins against North, West Coast and Hawthorne, which were very unspectacular. Who who have they beaten in this second half of the season that's worth mentioning, really? Sydney. Sydney. Yeah, yeah and, and, but and they were like fourth last at the time. Yeah. GWS well. in round 10 are getting, we're going way back now. Yeah, yeah, oh, that's, yeah again, so. when they were bottom five teams, yeah. both of them. So, um yeah, I don't – and speaking of form as well, their form guide coming up, again, Carlton, Richmond, Geelong, Brisbane, that's four teams either in the top eight or fighting for top eight. Yeah. And um, they could very easily lose three or four of those games. So that, but they really only need to win – I think they need to win maybe – I think they need to win for probably two. Yeah. They, 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 beat, they beat Richmond. Do they? It's Richmond at home. So it's at Marvel. It's at Marvel. Yeah, maybe, but you never know. You never know. It's true. That's why they have to play the games. Yeah. They need then, They need two. And then they beat Carlton this week. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> we will see. And uh, who's taking that spot then off St. Kilda in the top eight? Uh, either Sydney or Adelaide. I think they are, uh, of all those teams outside the top eight, they're probably the two that are the most in form. Adelaide love to score. They've got a favourable run home. Yeah. I love how you say that Adelaide is the ones in, in form. Yes, they beat Port by 47 on the weekend. Uh, since then, though, they lost to Melbourne by four, GWS by 14, Essendon by 18, they lost to Collingwood by two, and they beat North Melbourne and West Coast by about 100 points. I get points. that. I so get they that. they've actually had a lot of losing. Yep, they're a young team, I understand. But two games at home against Gold Coast and Sydney, they probably should win. One of their away games is against West Coast. So they should win. win. So that's yeah. three wins yeah. out of four. So that might be enough to get them in. And, yeah, same with Sydney. Um Giants this week could go either way. They've got Gold Coast, Adelaide, Demons. So uh, very dependable on how those games go, obviously, but um, I like those too. So mine's a team that I just can't let die because they just feel like they should be in there, and that's Geelong. So they got Port this week, and I think obviously this week is so pivotal because if they beat Port at home, all of a sudden they got that home ground vibe back which mm-hmm. means they played the doggies at home in the last round and Not all of a easy. sudden and all of a sudden it's like yeah but you you they probably lean to that being the advantage again once they've got that Cadilla fortress back they've yeah. got they've got St Kilda um 
in the second last week at Marvel. Tricky game because it's Marvel and Geelong and it never really happens, so you don't know how it's going to play out. But again, you're saying St Kilda's out, so there's you know at least two wins. <laughs> that takes into 11 wins. And then Collingwood, if... If it is true that Collingwood has been found out in inverted commas and like this style of football can't yeah. can't be handled like can't maintain against good coaches, there's no better tactical coach in the competition than Chris Scott. So yeah. if one person can work out how to how to win one game that they need to win to try and set up finals, yeah. it'd be Chris Scott. There's a lot, a lot of, of hypotheticals. If, a lot of hypotheticals. <laughs> really, I think as much as it is super exciting at Vetacommas this season, and we yeah. had a super exciting last week and lots of upsets, yeah. the reality is probably that the top eight is probably set. It probably is. And the top four is also probably set. Yeah. But, you know, we found enough excitement to talk about it for the last 20 minutes. So. Yeah. <laughs> so there we go. The last question I have about uh, the ladder then is, does this prove that we need a wild card week? Oh, I'm not a fan of the wild card week. Do we want to see, no. you know, ninth and 10th battle it off no. for a spot in the finals? Nope. <laughs> I I just think that's silly. Like, if you if you make top eight, you deserve it. If you finish 10th, you don't deserve it. And quite frankly, like, if, if you finish 7th or 8th, it's a bit unfair that you have to play an extra game. It's already almost impossible to win the premiership from 8th. Yeah. But to get that extra game as well... You're, then you're pretty much just making up the numbers. It, it ruins finals for me. And I think um, you look at other sports, like they obviously are for this, only like one team has ever done it from like that low and that was the yeah. heat this year in the NBA and they went, they didn't win it in the end. But no. They went very deep and good on them. And yes, the Doggies did it from outside the top four and whatever. That wasn't outside the top eight though. Yeah. Just it wouldn't sit right with yeah. me. Yeah, Carlton made it from outside the top eight one yeah. year, and like they didn't go that deep. Yeah. So, you know. but we, you know, who, who needs those rounds when you got you know a round coming up like this where yeah, you've got majority of the games are teams playing each other between that fifth to thirteenth, hmm. fourteenth bracket. Yeah, so you know this is pretty much just a a mega wild card Card round. round. Yeah, <laughs> I don't need to watch round twenty one again. No, in the bye week. Yeah. Now, the question is, do we want to get rid of the bye week then? Yeah, get rid of it. I think it's silly. Why do we need it? Just yeah. go, keep playing footy. Because that that's why they're campaigning for the uh, wildcard round, obviously, to fill that bye week gap. Yeah. But you it, can just get rid of the gap. If there's ever a need for a bye round, I'd have it between the prelim and the grand final mm-hmm. um, because of the whole concussion thing. Yeah. Because it's going to happen one day. It hasn't happened yet, I don't think, but... If a player suffers a concussion in the prelim, yeah, uh, that's going to be a massive heartbreak story. Yeah, so just move that by to between those two games. Yeah, good call, good call by you there. Uh, vote <laughs> one, Nikki G, AFL CEO. Matches that matter, heaps of matches this week. A couple of ones that you can absolutely snooze on, I reckon. Although, if you snoozed on them last week, you would have missed them. So, Mm -hmm. we're back to review the games that matter in a funnels-like mentality. It starts tomorrow night, Friday night. Doggies versus Richmond at Marvel. Uh, Both teams trying to shore up their funnels contention or uh, their funnels belief. Doggies currently sitting in eighth. They're having a very doggy season where some weeks they look amazing, other weeks Bevo's punching holes in yep. uh, whiteboards. <laughs> Breaking his hand. Um, do you have any belief in the Tigers, though? Like, I know they're thereabouts. It has yeah. that Tigers vibe. It's their routine that's been good for a while, but, like, they're not really in the main yet, are they? 
No, I don't think so. And if they lose this, which they probably will, uh, this will be the killer blow. Uh, it'll, it'll make them. They'll be out. Two, there'll be two games out of the eight with three games left. So they'll need a miracle if they lose this one. Um, yeah, I I don't have that belief with Richmond. I just don't think they've put together a very consistent season. No, hasn't been very consistent at all. Um, even in their games, they're very patchy. They might have a good quarter or two, but um, it's been a while since they've put together a real four-quarter effort. So yeah. they'll need it this week. They're one of those sure. teams that flip-flops. So all year they've been pretty okay defensively and terrible in attack. Since yep. round 17, they've taken 18 marks inside 50 and yep. scored from 50% of their entries. That's ranked number one in both measures. Yep. Everyone's like, oh, they must be going get great guns. No, they've forgotten how to defend. So they've conceded 99 points per game since round 15, ranked 16th only north and west coast being worse. So they've just stopped defending. They've gone into that real caretaker coach mode of just like, let's play some footy, see yeah. what happens. Yeah. Play for your contracts. We'll, we'll come back in the preseason and work it out next year. So mm-hmm. chances are uh, doggies will, will maybe not tow them up, but win quite convincingly after a disappointing game last week where they came out of the blocks against the yes. Giants, show what they could do, and they could easily do that to Richmond next week. Yeah. And if they do do that to Richmond next week, then it's over a quarter, quarter time because... Yeah. No one, yes, they've got Dustin Martin, yes, they've got Hank, like, but no one there is going to do Toby Green like things and bring them back in. So, wow. Yeah. yeah. Comfortable tip for the doggies in that one. Saturday, early game, Adelaide versus the Gold Coast at Adelaide Oval. It's 12th versus 14th. It probably doesn't matter. It's Adelaide playing for finals. Yeah. But do we believe that the Suns can do it? Can they Can they continue sneaking upsets? No one believed in them last week. Yeah, Absolutely that's right. Absolutely towered up Brisbane. That's right. Oh, They've got Took Miller back in that side. Yep. They've got a very good midfield. They've got a very good forward line. Uh, ben King was well and truly back to his best last week. Of course they can do it. They've never won at the Adelaide Oval, though. No, so 14 is, straight losses. 14, is it? That's a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's going to take an almighty effort. And, of course, Adelaide love playing at home this season. They love piling on the scores. Um and they're the best team in the competition as well uh, from scoring from their inside 50s, which is something, on the contrary, Suns have struggled to defend as well. Uh, one-on-ones, uh, they're one of the worst teams in the comp at defending. So, um, yeah, you, they, they, they can't let Adelaide get their game going. And, yeah, it's going to take a real spiritual performance from that Gold Coast midfield group to... Keep the Suns in it all day against the Crows. Yeah, the one about Gold Coast in terms of stats is their post-clearance pressure factor. So they've conceded a pressure factor of 197. So the third highest of any team. Again, so only West Coast and North are worse. And so they can they are prone to getting absolutely pumped under pressure around the source. And that relates from how easily they can be scored against one-on-ones and also from clearance. And so Adelaide, that's that's Adelaide to a T. So <laughs> You know, their team always seems to kick at like 100 points, always put teams under the pump. Yeah. And so you could see Gold Coast melting a little bit after that win last week because um, it's going to be just as tough, if not tougher, Adelaide at home. So mm-hmm. Adelaide to keep their funnels hopes alive. The Adelaide team is heading off to the Cattery, Cadinia Park, Saturday p.m. at Geelong. I think the most likely to sneak home and yeah. get that last spot in the funnels, but it all depends on this game. How much do we read in the slide of Port Adelaide and has Ken Hinckley's you know, tenure now re-become untenable? Oh, look. Is Treadway going to come knocking on his door and say, get out? 
No, I don't think yeah, they, sh- they shouldn't be complaining if they're going to be finishing in the top four. Got to wait till finals and um, look, yeah, they, they've had a few bad weeks. Um, every team's allowed a blip though, mm. so I'm gonna I'm gonna let them off the hook on this one. I actually think they can beat Geelong in Geelong. If if anyone's sliding, I think it's it's the Cats in their home form. They looked vulnerable last week against Frio at GMHBA Stadium. They lost the game there. Um, they've lost twice at their formidable home ground this year against interstate opposition. Uh, I believe, was the other one GWS? I'm pretty sure it was. Yes. Um, although Port Adelaide haven't, they don't have a good record um, down in Geelong. If we're, if we're matching these two sides up uh, side by side, Port should be winning this by a big margin. Their midfield should be smashing Geelong's. Uh, we know how good Port Adelaide's midfield is. Um, and Geelong, I think they're, the, they're actually ranked last since round 17 from generating a clearance um, from their around the ground first possession. So their clearance work isn't too strong and they're going up against one of the best in the competition at doing that. So, yeah. Yeah, uh, I'd be I'd be back in Port Adelaide in for this one. Yeah, I think I think so as well. I think I you know re- reality would kick in now and say that you should obviously tip Port. Hawkins is out, Blitzard is out, Jeremy Cameron's forms dropped off and he's just being attacked randomly in a pub. And that's why that's what you get for uh, living in Geelong, I suppose. When you are um, you know a one club town, you're going to get attacked if you're not going well. So everything's against them, and yeah, probably will re- 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 result in a in a loss, unfortunately for. Uh, for the Cats. Mm. The other Saturday night game, Battle of the Bridge. Yeah, this is a big one. Very big one because, uh, you know, Giants on that run, currently in the eight. Do you think the Swans will be playing with extra motivation, extra emotion, or just more freedom? Because um, now the ghost of Buddy's gone. Like, Buddy, great player, yeah. obviously, but this year, obviously not his best year. Yeah. Lots of injuries, diminished output, all of a sudden now it's like, here's a new era. Mm. Does that, you know, is there a bit of like a new coach bounce there from just like you got that retirement emotion yeah. going on or? No I, I, yeah, definitely. I think there could be an element of that because it, it's not like this is a dead rubber game for Sydney. They've also got a lot to play for. They're sitting 10th at the moment. So um, finals is still a very realistic possibility and it's also a Sydney derby. So... Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Franklin will be in the rooms giving them a pre-game rev-up speech. Um, and, you know, if they do win this game, the Swans, then finals could, yeah, it's, it's well and truly back on. So definitely I reckon they're going to be playing with a little bit extra motivation um, with or without Bud. Uh, they could definitely win this game as well. I know GWS have been... Incredible since the buys really um, the se- their second half of the season. I think they've been as good as anyone in the competition. They're playing a very Collingwood brand of footy. Their pressure rating is, I think, one of the best in the competition, uh, if not the best. Um, and yeah, the, the, they've. I mean, they look almost unbeatable. I know they're not unbeatable, but they're they're a very hard hard team to stop at the moment. You said that Collingwood-esque, they are literally following the game plan. They've yep. won five games and trailing at three-quarter time this season. Yeah. It's equal with Collingwood. Literally. So I feel like sometimes you build this mystique then, 
And that happened against in the Collingwood uh, Carlton game on the weekend. Mm. Three quarter time, the game was basically done, but everyone's sitting there being like, "Got to watch it though, because you know this is where Collingwood comes back." So I think sometimes that has to run out. And I think yeah. you know if they find themselves in that situation, I also just think that the Giants are a much better team than Sydney on yeah. paper. And even like look at their win loss records, the Swans have only won two against top eight sides. So it kind of suggests that there's going to be a bit of a gap in. Yeah. Um, output and, and talent at the moment. So I'll be tipping the Giants. They're at home as well, which is always nice for the extra like little point of of difference. But um, one to circle in, and probably the game of the night on Saturday night. Definitely. One we're obviously going to disagree on here. Sunday prime time. We're heading back to Marvel Stadium. Lots yep. of Marvel action this week. Disappointingly, <laughs> love my time at the G, especially when the sun comes back out. What a waste! But anyway, yeah, we'll be shielding our eyes with the, <laughs> with the roof open, complaining about the trains that break down at Marvel Stadium. St Kilda versus Carlton, fifth versus seventh, and that's St Kilda in in, in fifth and, and Carlton in seventh. Just, yep. just by the by, yeah. Uh, tell me why the tell me why the Blues win. Go on. Uh, they have literally dominated clearances over the last six weeks. Yep. Um, and thanks to Champion Data for providing our stats for us, they have outscored their opponents by a whopping 235 points from clearances. And according to them, I don't know how they've measured this, but it's the best differential on record. So that must be over like a six-week block or something. Mm-hmm. St Kilda's midfield just won't stack up with that. Except if- St Kilda has recorded a pre-clearance pressure factor of 264. That's a big number. <laughs> well, Again, we don't really know what it head. means. And that is the second highest of any side this year. So... Could yeah, look, you could be right. It is the you know the un- unsurmountable force beating the immovable <laughs> object. Which one wins? Nothing. Nil yeah. or draw. <laughs> that's it. That's it. It could be a bit of a stalemate. But Charlie Kerno as well, Gordo. Sixteen goals over his last two games. Yeah, uh, he's a man in red hot form. Uh, he pretty much has the Coleman wrapped up, I reckon. But he might be pretty hard to stop from St Kilda's perspective. Does does Carlton have? A fight, you know, no. I feel like when, as you said, they're momentum based. So when they're challenged, yeah. If it's if it's scrappy first quarter, quarter and a half, yeah. Are they going to start losing the plot? Fans yeah. going to start leaving the stadium? Like, do they yeah. have a tight, hard, gutsy, gritty, dirty in the trenches against Ross Lyon win in them? Because I feel like they're the Harlem Globetrotters. It has to be clean from the start. It has to be all yeah, fun games. Right. Lots of smiles. You're right. They, they yeah. don't really show that they can win the hard way, yeah. um, which is what good sides have to do sometimes. If St Kilda put it up to them, um, yeah, that's going it's obviously going to be something that we need to see from the Blues. Um, but, yeah... It could just be one of those games where Carlton just come out of the blocks again and just kill the Saints. But obviously, we're not going to know until we get to Sunday. But um, my yeah, my instinct, I'm just leaning towards the Blues. Yeah, I, I in in the boss who is Ross, I trust. I'm going <laughs> for the Saints here, and uh, yet again for it for an unwatchable side, St Kilda are playing the primetime slot in a must-watch game. So. Yeah. Well, it's a must-win for them. At least they're relevant yet again. And uh, the last of the must-watch games, the late game after you're on the train home, waiting yep. at the station with a train delay at Southern Cross. You can turn on Frio and Brisbane and up to <laughs> Stadium. It's 
it's that time of year for the Dockers probably where it's like, how can we just make everyone else's season a misery? They probably can't make finals. They can statistically. 22 wins outside. Things have to go right for them. Mm-hmm. But Brisbane, big question marks now. Little brother got over one of them on the Q Clash. Yep. They've always been challenged with, you know, can they can they do it when it counts? It's starting to count now. Can they lock in a top four? Probably. But can they lock in a home final? Maybe. Um, they really should just roll over and and bash Freo, but... Do you have belief in this uh, Brisbane side at the moment? I do. They've won back a bit of my belief over the last few weeks. I know they lost to Gold Coast last week. It it would have been disappointing, but I very rarely will this Brisbane side lose two in a row. And when it comes to playing away from home as well, they can actually hit the scoreboard pretty hard. Um, They average 92 points on the road and that's ranked number one in the competition. So um, I definitely back them to get the job done against Fremantle who aren't really a a high score inside themselves. But the Dockers proved last week, you know, that they've got a bit of fight in them. They're not usually, they're usually the ones where they get hurt by intercept possessions. But last week they were the ones that... um, caused a bit of fear factor off intercept possessions against Geelong and that's pretty much how they won the game but um, yeah I guess with with Brisbane they use the ball well they're a very efficient side um, it'll be a different challenge obviously going up against Brisbane than it will be an, an aging and declining Geelong side so probably leaning towards the lines here um, but anything can happen yeah, I think that's more, you know, fans feeding into trust issues about, like, recency bias and results. But, like, on paper, Lions win this yeah. by plenty, as you said, averaging 100 points on the road. Not many teams can do that. So uh, the Lions by plenty here. Speaking by plenty, time to, for the first time in a long time, talk about desktop decisions. It's super coach mm. time. It's very important now. You've only got a couple of weeks left to get yourself at the top yeah. How are you sitting? What's your ranking? Yeah. What's your what's your average points per week and uh, what's your big tip <laughs> for how to make it work this week? My ranking, I, I went up a bit last week. I moved up about um, 168 spots, so I'm up to 2,541, which is pretty good. I'm happy with that, but I do still want to crack into that top 1,000 bracket. I scored a healthy 2,600 points last week. Could have been a bit higher if I had the right captain. Lockie Neal let me down with an 80, so I was pretty upset about that. But um, if you're not like me and you still have trades left in your team and you're looking to make up ground in the rankings or, of course, a lot of uh, leagues this week start their finals campaigns, if you're looking to win that and trying to get a point of difference, I would be moving heaven and earth to bring in Dan Houston into your team and into your defense. He's only in 4.9% of teams and eight of his last 10 scores have been over 100. A lot of people are bringing in Sicily, but this man is flying under the radar. He's put up huge scores, 146, 156, 176, 120, and 122, all in his last six weeks. So get that man into your team right now if you've got the trades and the cash up your sleeve. There you go, the hot tip for the man who can't do it, which means it will work. That was been the uh, <laughs> you know the curse all year. Yeah. Here's the hot tip. Oh, I used it, didn't work. Now that you're out of trades, you can't do it. No. So uh, take the brain's trust IP to the bank to make some bank. And uh, 
Speaking of banks, time for us to go out before we close like a bank because uh, everyone else has left the uh, office today. Uh, thank you very much for listening to the Fans Out View podcast brought to you by Sportsmate Footy Live and, of course, TLA. And uh, as always, good luck to your team unless they're playing our team, in which case we hope you lose. Uh, go the Sainers. Go the Sainers. <laughs> you don't sound like a Richmond supporter. <laughs> 